Welcome back to Making Sense of Retirement. I'm John Gay. I'm joined by Vince Oldray from Assured Retirement Group. Vince, I love our topic today. It is secrets advisors will not tell you. Where do you want to start? Well, I think the biggest one that most advisors maybe don't confront or talk about or they're really uncomfortable talking about is fees. Mm -hmm. But more so how these fees are really hidden into the financial products. Okay. And I'm not just talking about like commissions. I, mean, I know some of you might think like, oh, well, he's talking about commissions as far as like annuities or something like that. Annuities are different when we talk about commissions compared to some of the other financial vehicles like mutual funds and that kind of thing. Or what's worse, people are buying these financial products like real estate investment trusts or structured notes or something like that. And there's these big commissions on them with very little security backing to it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think people don't realize that they could actually go into a Ponzi scheme without even knowing it. And even the advisor might not know that it's a Ponzi scheme. That's a scary thought right there if the advisor, him or herself, doesn't realize it. Yeah, advisors get stuck in these all the time, uh, unfortunately, because they're looking for products to sell, meaning they're trying to find what is going to give the best return, uh, what's the nice shiny object, that kind of thing. And what we find is that sometimes, obviously, if it's too good to be true, it usually is, right? Yes. So the funny thing is, though, on the back end, you know, the financial advisors actually paid a sizable commission mm -hmm. when you look at some of these products. So like these structured notes or these oil and gas type limited partnerships or the real estate investment trusts. They have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12% commission on them. Wow. And some of these things are even sold as like great tax advantage products that aren't even approved yet as a tax advantage, but they're sold as things that might avoid tax consequences and that kind of thing. I have a client right now that's going through this exact thing where it's like a land easement type deal mm -hmm. that he put a hundred grand into. He's supposed to get this giant hundred thousand dollar tax write off, so he can do a you know giant Roth conversion. So he does that, and then two years later, the CPA that he worked with with this other advisor on sends him a letter saying, "Oh, by the way, we weren't allowed to do that. Oh, you now owe sixty thousand dollars to the IRS." Wow. So he's like, "Oh my gosh." What do I do? So he's panicking, calls me, he's freaking out. I'm like, don't, okay, hold on, just don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> deep breath, deep breath. And the funny thing is, the CPA had the confidence, for whatever reason, to actually try to say, hey, I'm going to have to charge you another like five grand to redo your 2018 tax returns. Oh boy. When this was the CPA that was, it says, oh yeah, we work with this type of deal, we know what to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, it comes back. Oh, and by the way, now I'm going to have to you know, charge you more. That's what my people would call chutzpah. That's to say, by the way, another five grand. Okay. Yeah, it's like, that sounds like churning or something like that. It's just, oh, it seems like it worked out that way. Oh, anyway, so he actually met with another CPA and I worked with him on it. And the CPA re-ran it and said, no, 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 you know, we'll make sure that doesn't happen. But at the same time, you know, it could always come up and she'll be there to help. But she's like, we're not going to like just throw 60 grand to the IRS because your other CPA says, oops, we screwed up. So they're working on that right now. But that's the kind of stuff that these are the secrets that advisors don't talk to you about. And the reason why is because they're focused on the one, the shiny object. Mm -hmm. You're focused on the shiny object, like, you know, making these tax free, getting the best return, that kind of thing without actually understanding like the actual financial tool. They're getting away from the basics. 
the typical tools that we can use. But there's also this giant commission that goes on behind it, which is like a 10, 11% commission. That's different though. And I know there's a lot of people beating up on annuities. There's people that love or hate annuities and they say, oh, well, the advisor makes 7% commission or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's making a 7% commission over a 10-year period. So if the annuity is a 10-year annuity, he's getting that 7% over that 10 years, meaning that if you you know divide it, it's less than 1% per year that he's getting. Right, right, right. You pay the same thing if your money was under management. So you know when someone says, oh, you're paying high fees on the, well, I guess it depends on the type of annuity too, but there are people that say you pay less money if your assets were under management. Well, if you're paying 1.5%, you times that by 10 years, that's 15%. So you could be potentially paying more to have your assets managed than if it was in an annuity, but also depends on the annuity. So you know that we're going down kind of a you know rabbit hole here and you know it could go on and on and on. But the other thing that people could do when looking at their own statements to kind of pull some of the curtains back. Yeah. See what's really going on. There's technical things that we see. So for example, if you look at a mutual fund, most people have mutual funds. You can tell what type of mutual fund you have, whether you paid a commission on it or not, mm-hmm. or if you're just paying like a fee, ongoing fee. If you did the commercial mutual fund, it would have the letter A at the end of it. Okay. Okay. So like a fund class A. So if it has an A at the end of it, that means it was a commissionable mutual fund. So likely you paid roughly 5% for that mutual fund. So if you had 100 grand, you put the 100 grand into this mutual fund, you actually are starting at $95,000 because they took the 5%, gave it to the advisor, and now you start at a negative 5% mm-hmm. and now you're trying to grow. The funny thing is they could offer you the exact same mutual fund without the commission. Really? Yeah. So you might ask, well, why would he... Put me in a commercial mutual fund then in the first place. Yeah. I would say good question. (laughs) That's the old school way that was done. And part of the reason why is when you looked at mutual funds in the past, you might have started a mutual fund with $250, $1,000, right? And so 5% is not that big of a deal. But now when you're dealing with larger sums of money, especially when you're closer to retirement, that becomes a bigger deal. So you want to be really careful with that. But here's where things get tricky. Mm-hmm. If you do a commission mutual fund, that's fine. So let's say you did one 20 years ago, and now your advisor says, let's move it from American funds to T. Rowe Price or something like that. Sure. Those would be considered different fund families, mm-hmm. and then that advisor would get another commission. Oh. However, if he were to say, go from American funds to American funds, there most likely wouldn't be another commission. There might be a small one, but it wouldn't be the same size of one. Because the money's staying in-house there. Okay. They're staying in the same fund family. Yeah, so they won't be compliant. They typically won't give you another commission. So there's that, what's going on. And I think the problem with commissionable mutual funds, it might be okay as you're starting out, as you're trying to accumulate, but when you're in retirement, you can't really move things around that much if you're paying a commission all the time. So if you find yourself in a commissionable mutual fund and you're wondering why your advisor's not moving you around too much, it's because he's already been paid. Yeah. You know, we talked about this in previous episodes since where you have less room for error the closer you get to retirement because every dollar counts because you're accumulating less. So same idea. You have less that you want to be doling out for commissions and coming out of your bottom line because you have less time to earn money and make that back. So that's a really important point as you approach and get into retirement. Yeah, it's it's not as flexible. And at the same time, once he got the commission, he's pretty much, you know, hands off at that point, right? Unless he finds like another way to sell you another product. Right. And that's something that you can do at home. Go look at your statement. Go see what fees are coming out of it. Now, there are still other fees 
coming out of your mutual funds, even if you did a commissionable mutual fund. And the funny thing is, the you know, when we take our exam, they say, well, why would you recommend a commissionable mutual fund over a non-commissionable mutual fund where you just get like an asset management fee, let's say 1% per year? Sure. The argument is that the commissionable mutual fund has lower expenses over time. So if you're to hold on to it for long term, the commissionable mutual fund would have lower expenses. That used to be true 30 years ago. That's not true today. <laughs> so you could have this exact same mutual fund, but the expense ratio on it now are a lot lower because everything's been driven down. And so that's not true anymore. So I don't know why it's still on the exam, but that was the argument. And maybe it's on the exam because, you know, the, the carriers and the fund- they haven't updated it yet. Well, they, they want to keep it that way, right? Okay. You know, to the little politician type stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest secrets. I think people are so surprised by- when I pull back the currents a little bit and say, look, I already know you're in a commissional mutual fund. How do you know that? Oh, it says an A-share. I know an A-share is a commissional mutual fund. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty easy to decipher for me because this is what I do for a living. But it's actually pretty easy for you too at home if you kind of know what to look for, right? So you only know what you know, don't know what you don't. And if you take this, you could go through it. You could figure out, oh, well, that's why he's not moving me around too much or getting that much attention because he's already paid on it. So- one, make sure you're not getting to take advantage of with these random procs that are out there because they're being pushed with high commissions. And then number two, be careful with the type of mutual funds you're in and you know what type of mutual funds you're in based on the fees. And then the other thing is a lot of times we don't put the fees on our statements. Mm-hmm. If we're considered fiduciaries, right, we're supposed to do what's in our client's best interest. And I'm a certified financial planner. We're supposed to put our fees on everything. Yeah. You're supposed to know what we're getting paid regardless. So like on our statements, you can see it. Here's the advisor fee on the statement. Most of the time when you go through these statements, they're not there. And so unfortunately, you could call your advisor, but if he's not putting everything there on the statement in the first place, it's best to just call the institution that holds your money. So if your institution is Fidelity, you could call Fidelity and say, okay, what are the fees that are coming on my account? And then they would tell you. You know, it's funny. I think about the mutual funds and all the stuff that I'm involved with that, that the financial advisors that my wife and I have. And it used to be paper. So we'd get just all these stacks all the time for all these different mutual funds. And I was like, I don't want to be killing all these trees. I'm going to switch to online. So I keep getting all these emails. Here's what happened this quarter and this month with this mutual fund, blah, blah, blah. And like, I think most people, I never read them. So kind of the moral of the story here is do your homework, look at the actual documents. And if you can't figure out what's going on based on the document, pick up the phone and make a call and you'd be surprised what you can learn. You're talking about the prospectus there, which That's is- That's it. I couldn't know, think of the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thick packet that you get in the mail and you're like, I feel like they just chock it full of like information so you, you don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, try to overwhelm you. Yeah. But there are three main things you can look at in there, which is the uh, expense ratio. So it'll tell you what the expense ratio of that mutual fund is. It also tells you like the turnover ratio. Mm -hmm. That means like how much they're trading within your portfolio or within that mutual fund. Okay. And the funny thing is those trades get passed on to you. The cost of those trades get passed on to you. So that's why it's kind of sunken into that expense ratio. The other thing, when you look at the prospectus, it will also tell you how that mutual fund will operate. Okay. So what I mean by that is if I looked at the Fidelity Growth Fund 
or U.S. growth fund, it would say that 85% of the money will be invested in U.S. growth funds or stocks, okay? Mm -hmm. That means, though, that it can never leave that sector, okay? The by law, based on what it says in that prospectus, if the market's crashing, they can't go from U.S. growth to international or to gold or something like that. Right. 85% of the time, your money has to be invested in that sector. Now, the reason why they give you that information is so that you can make educational decisions mm -hmm. on whether that makes sense to keep holding on to it or not. They're not going to make that decision for you. And I think that's another secret that a lot of advisors don't tell you is how that mutual fund actually operates internally. And what does that mean for you? Yeah. So that prospectus that you most likely pick up and throw away, <laughs> and that's okay because most people, they look at it like, oh, another one of these. You know, because they get what twenty, in, you know, in the mail right away, and then seems that way, yeah, yeah, and then twenty more whenever you make some trades. Whenever that happens, you seem to pick it up and throw it away. Now, there are great programs that actually help us analyze this data fairly easily. It's called Morningstar. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people have heard of Morningstar. We just plug in the mutual fund, and then it tells us all that information. Mm -hmm. So that's the nice part. Okay, as we start to wrap up, Vince, give me one more secret that advisors may not be telling you. The last secret is whether or not they are technically an independent advisor or not. Okay. And what I mean by that is a lot of us call ourselves independent advisors, but we all might work for another company, right? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is I, I had a buddy that worked for Northwestern Mutual, and I was a consultant for financial advisors. And we, at the time when I was doing this, I was a consultant for annuity products. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey... We have all these different annuities that we can offer for your clients. And he's like, great, but I work for Northwestern Mutual, so we usually won't offer those products. I'm like, why not? Well, because Northwestern Mutual is always the best product. <laughs> okay. But what if there's other ones that are better? Uh, there might be, but you're, again, Northwestern's probably better. Company line. Company line, right? But the thing is, I actually couldn't get him contracted with those other carriers because he's not technically an independent advisor. Okay. Because he's through Northwestern Mutual. Now, it doesn't make Northwestern Mutual bad. It just means he can't offer all the different procs out there. But the thing is, he would still called himself an independent advisor because he was independent. He was on his own. But he could offer other products, but it was a small amount of other procs that he could offer, which meant Northwestern Mutual was always better <laughs> because the other product offerings weren't that good in comparison. And it's one of those things where if you look across you know, Northwestern, Thrivent, New York Life, Ameriprise, Prudential. The same thing seems to happen when you keep falling, you you look at everything, you fall into one of their home products, right? Mm -hmm. So when they call themselves an independent advisor, they might not actually be an independent advisor. The only way you can, in my opinion, call yourself a true fiduciary and independent advisor is if you do not work for a particular company, and you can go wherever you want and your fees don't change. And there is no incentive for you to do one product over the other. That's the only way to be an independent fiduciary. Got it. Vince, there are so many more secrets we could get into if we had more time. But if somebody wants to talk to you, um, hopefully they're not panicked like that one client that called you. But if they want to talk about their financial future and get really down to brass tacks and the honest parts of this, what are the best ways to reach you? We'll go with the phone number 952-657-7470. Again, 952-657-7470. And I think it's not just about the fees and the products. 
Obviously, when we talk, John, here, it's always about the financial plan. And my skin crawls when I say that because I feel like that's what every financial advisor says. Like, it's all about the financial plan. Yeah. It's always about, you know, are you working with a fiduciary? My skin crawls because I feel like that is so cliche to say. And so if you do give us a call, the way that we would approach it is let's find out what things you might be missing. We'll run a Morningstar report. We'll give you the information that you need to make educational decisions and start that way instead of trying to sell you a product or something like that. So you can give us a call at 952-657-7470. Very good. Vince Oldray, Assured Retirement Group. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks, John. Investment advisory services offered through Assured Retirement Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Minnesota. Insurance products and services are offered through Assured Retirement Group, Inc., Assured Retirement Financial Group, Inc. and Assured Retirement Group, Inc. are affiliated companies.